Stories, awakening, possibility, social impact. Creating a culture of compassion, connection, and collaboration. You are listening to Hollyhock Talks, a podcast about the teachers and luminaries that make Hollyhock extraordinary. Hollyhock is Canada's leading leadership learning centre, located on Cortez Island. Hollyhock Talks brings a little piece of Hollyhock magic to you, wherever you are listening. This is Far of Hollyhock Talks, and I'm delighted to be here with Morley, who is a musician and songwriter who uses music as a tool for peace building and dialogue. For more than 10 years, she's also been part of a group called Musicians on Call, bringing music and songwriting into hospices and hospitals. And she's also been a part of Bernie Glassman's Zen Peacemaker Bearing Witness Retreats, bringing her to various locations around the world, including Auschwitz and Rwanda. And we're here to talk specifically about the work that you do using your music to build bridges between people and encourage and inspire shared humanity. Welcome. Thank you. Such a beautiful um, introduction. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I feel so inspired by the work that you do. Has social justice always been a part of your repertoire as a musician? Yeah, it really has. And before I was uh, making music, I used to choreograph and write poetry. And I've always just felt so connected with the, um, you know, the, the need to speak my heart um, through movement or or poetry or now song um speak my heart to what i'm seeing around me and feeling i think it's very natural i think it's a natural state to express what we see around us and what we see to be unjust or what we see to celebrate you know they're both kind of uh, extreme different sides of the same extreme you know the um injustice and the deep love because if we didn't love so deeply we wouldn't care and want to cry out about things that weren't just for the earth for the water for each other so it's very natural so when i see these children gathering march for our, for our lives in the united states you know to end uh, gun violence i'm sure you're aware of that um it's the most the most it's so it's so sad but it's the most natural thing for a human being to do which is to lift their voice and we've been conditioned not to do that and so song is such a great opportunity music song um you know dance it's such a great opportunity to to reclaim that i think like during different stages in our life we have to different stations are like stations i feel like we have to make a reconnect and kind of reconnect with our you know inherent relationship that we have with the universe which is to um, trust, you know, like as a baby, we have total trust in the universe. We trust, we try to get to that place in Shavasana and yoga, right? And then I was thinking about that recently and about the water and how we have this big crisis in the world with our water and how we have to really quickly get that reconnection to it. Because as a baby, we have total trust because we're coming from the water, right? And then we have trust in people because people are mostly made of water. So there's this amazing thing that's happening and that we're kind of 
check out as we get older. We check out from that awareness. And music has this incredible ability to bring us back to that inherent state of, of trust once we kind of surrender to the rhythm and to the melody that comes. You know. It's like music itself is a teacher for me, so just music itself. You know, you're talking about how um, suffering and beauty kind of coexist you know, love and injustice coexist, that we wouldn't feel it's unjust if we didn't have love. Do you ever get caught in in despair when you look at what's going on in the world? Or do you? Absolutely. And um, I even get silenced by it, you know. And sometimes I just let myself, you know, um, feel that and be quiet. And and then I, I have to, you know, naturally I will, I will turn towards, you know, finding my words again and finding my voice within it. But sometimes it really is overwhelming. And I need to be around people that are also making music and it inspires me to make music. So that's why, you know, to be in the presence of each other working on a song, like other people. You know, like a songwriting workshop, for example, right? That's what we're talking about here. It's like, it, it's, it's so sweet what happens when people come into a space, when people circle up, you know, because I don't use my music as a tool to, to bridge. Like you so beautifully said, it was, it was beautiful how you said it. Like I use my music as a bridge, but I, I, I more so use the music that's already in the room. And no one could have has maybe has uttered a word or sung a note, and maybe they don't consider themselves a singer or a songwriter. But everybody is carrying their own medicine and their own wisdom, and with help from someone holding a guitar or a drum, and just maybe one word they come up with stretched into a melody, a song can unfold from that. And then with other people in the room, they add a word or the melody. And it's fun, but also can be really healing and really profound. So that's how I kind of use music for that. I'm sure you've seen many examples of healing with your music. Can you share some stories about about that? Yeah, um, I'd love to. Um, the first thing I think of when anybody asks me that is when I was working with an organization called Face to Face, Faith to Faith which brought um, teenagers from um, conflict zones from Palestine, Israel, Northern Ireland, and um, South Africa. And we, would, we had 90 students uh, every year come upstate New York. It's a pretty amazing uh, organization. And I worked with them for seven years. It was <clears throat> like there would be heated moments where we'd have dialogue. Um, groups around the conflict. So, for example, there was one day where it was a lot of tension with the Palestinian-Israeli kids. They really, you know, they're 16, 17 years old, and they're, they're, this is very real for them. And they really ran out of words. You know, they were just tears and frustration. And so we brought out some drums, and they just went into this amazing place of communication because they share similar rhythms in their music. And after that, we brought out the lunch. They were having, 
they had some, they, they ate together. They were like kids again, you know, and then we, we came back and had, were able to continue the conversation and really, you know, we can't solve the, the very old conflict, but we can reconnect to our um, inherent trust in being, you know, that there is some possibility of connection while we're here so on the planet. So there's something about music and art that transcends boundaries and divisions that come through and when we talk. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we really can't, two people cannot speak together. They won't hear each other, but two people can sing together at the same time. You know, and some people can't stand to be in the same room together, but they can dance in the same room together. It's, it's really powerful. <laughs> so I, I feel like it's a really a big, important task for all of us right now on the planet to reconnect to the power of healing that's inside of art, the uh, visual art, song, dance, spoken word you know, photography, like self-theater, self-expression. James Baldwin, I put this on every blackboard, dry eraser board. I even wrote it in the sand in one school that didn't have a, you know, we're outside. I always write this quote and it says, when we can describe an emotion, it no longer has power over us. And James Baldwin said that in the middle of a conversation he was having with somebody. And we're having this feeling it really does have power over us when we can describe the emotion. So I'll ask children, like what, think of something you're, you're, you're struggling with, you know, that you're concerned about in school or at home. Don't say what it is. Just write down what color it is, you know, and then where, uh, you know, and what element of nature does it remind you of? Is it a windstorm? Is it a sunrise? You know, and then it's amazing what comes and then we can take that and make songs. And so nobody, yeah, nobody really has to know what you're talking about specifically, but they can get how you feel. And the most important is that you know how you feel and you've expressed it. And then something gets lifted and then that opens, makes way for possibility. Is, is that how you integrate nonviolent communication into your workshops? Just in terms of emotional expression and naming and describing emotion in visual ways? Absolutely. That, yes, and I use a lot of breathing, like a lot of pranayama. I see that you also do yoga. So, um, you know, we do the breath work. And um, there's also counsel, holding counsel, you know, sitting together in circle and, and not speaking over one another, each person having a chance to talk. And there are different things I, I bring into the workshops. But um, the music is... It's it's really sweet, you know. I I work with war veterans as well, um, and I always start the class with a, a song that I learned from Dr. Bernice Johnson Regan. That's uh, it's called "So Glad I'm Here," and it it just it just says over and over, "So glad I'm here, so glad I'm here, so glad I'm here, so glad I'm here." I can sing my song or I shout out my name and then people shout out their name. I shout out my name. I shout out my name. Shout out my name. Cause I'm so glad I'm here. So glad I'm here. And it goes on like that. And, and, and without fail, every time I'll start the class, 
I'll ask people to sing who are not singers at all. And they quietly, shyly, will, some will sing a little louder than others. But people, they, 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 can, they you know, participate. But at the end of the workshop, and we, you know, I get together and say, okay, let's close the class. And we'll sing, so glad I'm here. Everyone singing at the top of their voice. <laughs> so it's just that they've, you know, because they, everyone, we create our own safe space. So when I get into like a workshop mode, I'm not creating a safe space for you. You know, we together, we create the safe space. We make an agreement, an arrangement, you know, and um, a lot of magic unfolds and a lot of joy, a lot of joy. It's it's really fun because a lot of, you know, people who have never written a song or even a, a poem or, or, you know, it's amazing what lives inside of us, what magic is in each and every one of us. Everyone has a song. Everybody. Sounds very empowering. Yeah, I think I think it is. Power of music. I would love to hear a little bit about your Bearing Witness retreats and just the whole truth of bearing witness and also transforming physical spaces and what's happened in a physical place? Um, that, yeah, that, that's a great, um, opportunity I've had, I've had to, to study and be with Bernie Glassman and these retreats. And so, like you mentioned, I, we've, I was in Auschwitz with him in 2005 and Rwanda in, in 2014 and the Black Hills and Pine Ridge, 2015. And <clears throat> each time people gather from, um, like in Auschwitz, there were about 100 people from different countries, a lot of survivors from different genocides, people from Bosnia, people from Rwanda, Native, uh, Native American, Native uh, Indigenous people from, you know, Indigenous people from different countries. And... Um, African American people, so people who are, I, you know, I, I, who are surviving ongoing forms of genocide. There's a lot of that going on, so that's why I always include the fact that African American people show up to these workshops, to these um, retreats, um, because it's it's something to really acknowledge as as American people. I know you guys are in Canada, but I really it's really important for us to acknowledge that here. Um, yes, and so. People gather and we, for example, 2005 in Auschwitz, we sat every day from around, I don't know, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. with breaks, obviously, in silence on the train tracks. And we're bearing witness to what happened there. And the only instruction that I remember, you know, that I get from Bernie Glassman is just try not to add anything on. Just listen to what wants to be remembered here. That was his only instruction. And um, what's really powerful is that, you know, one of the uh, the guides at Auschwitz was an elder who was a young, very young SS, you know, um, Nazi. And uh, his job was to get people off the train and move them forward. And he's, and every day he comes and takes people around the air, the barracks and shows people and tells his story. And he's such a, a testimony to, to transformation. And he said that he had lost his humanity 
He said he was about, you know, his early 20s, and he had a newborn at home, and all he could think of was, hurry up and get off the train. My coffee's getting cold, and I want to get home to my new baby. He had completely turned his, his whole humanity off. And now here he is toward, at the end of his life doing this work. And so that, to me, showed me, you know, it taught me just his existence, you know, what's possible in a human being. It gave me evidence. And, um, it's really beautiful. You know, people who attend, it's really beautiful. It's really powerful. And, um, I mean, it's, it's just terrible what we're capable of doing to each other. And then it's amazing what we're capable of healing. And so in Rwanda, it was, we sat, I, they're kind of like forgiveness circles, you know, and I helped facilitate the music at the end, which is, which is just basically, it's almost like a talent show. You know, you take names and ask what you want to do and try to get people, Hey, do you want to, do you want to share a poem or a song? And all you need is one person to say yes. And then, you know, I, oh, I've got something. And then, <laughs> you know, and it, it was, it's, it's just the most beautiful thing. And, uh, and I find that it's really important, you know, to have to release at the end of these things, these gatherings. And I think it's a big mistake when people have these really kind of, you know, um, physically very still and very much in the mind and spirit, spiritual, you know, talk of spirit, and connecting to spirit, but without the movement and without the song, it's, it's very, very hard to kind of go back into your regular world if you haven't released it. And so the song, you're releasing it through your breath. The song is tone on top of breath, sending it out, releasing it from your body. And when we sing and we breathe, we affect our circulation and the cells in our body. We boost our immune system. We connect to the, the air around us in a different way than just breathing in and out. We're like holding notes. You know, it's, it changes you actually forever, every time you sing. It's it's very profound on so many levels, singing. I mean, I, I've i read about some of the profound benefits I know, I know from myself, singing in circle with others, how transformative it can be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I had a chance to do a workshop with Bob McFerrin in, in New York, and it was like, oh, wow, almost 300 people there. And right now I'm in a production with Toshi Regan, who's um, an incredible songwriter and, and, and creator of this piece with her mother, Bernice Johnson Regan, who founded Sweet Honey and the Rock. And they have a, um, they, they wrote, created this opera based off of a, a book by, by Octavia Butler called Parable of the Sower. And we're traveling to Singapore next week to um, take this opera there. And it's amazing because I'm singing with 13 singers, so 13 voices every single day. I just came from a very long rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an opera, but it's, um, it's 19th and 20th century African-American spiritual song okay, cycles. Okay, so a little bit different than Italian-style opera. Very different, yeah, very different. With a full band, we have a band on stage too, and it's it's really powerful. And every day I'm in that kind of frequent that frequency of that that those songs that carry so much medicine. Those are survival songs. This is structure. The songs of you know that they were they were codes of survival. And so that learned. I learned so yeah, much every in day. South Africa, I know the freedom songs had so much power for people. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this is also in just in the actual structure of like the mo the modes, the modality, the the notes, how they fall in these this way of singing. It's it's healing and it's very powerful and it's very old. And it is the root of all of our music that we listen to today. So it's a big teaching every time I walk into the room with these great artists. I'm, I learn so much and um, they inspire me. So I always incorporate that feeling that I get in my workshops. Mm-hmm. Abs- absolutely, absolutely. I know somewhere towards the middle of this interview you mentioned how important it is to talk about what's happening in American politics today and what's happening in our society today. Is there anything you'd like to say about what your hope is and aspiration for what's possible? Well, I got to say, you know, five years ago, even we weren't, there was nobody was talking about on primetime television, even three years ago, weren't this many conversations around racism and how toxic it is to the, 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 that's like a cancer on the planet, you know, and how toxic, you know, xenophobia is like, even that language wasn't even used that much in the States. I heard more about xenophobia when I was in, you know, in Cape town and, you know, some of my students were coming in from Zimbabwe and had all this problems, xenophobia. That's kind of where I really learned what that meant, you know, and now Islamophobia, like, but these things have been around since inception in this country, you know, this is the, how this country was founded. And so now like there's, they're removing, you know, statue of these slave owners, like in, in uh, central park, even they're about to, they're about to remove a statue. And I mean, this, you know, they're changing. It, that's my hope. I mean, my hope is what I'm seeing is because to me, hope is action. That's, I, I really under, got an understanding of what hope is now for me and that's action. And, um, so the fact that these conversations are happening and, um, and, you know, the ad- addressing the environment and first nation people, indigenous people, like if, if we want to heal, we have to heal these, we have to heal how things are built, you know, and systemic, you know, how it affects our psyche. And it's poison. And the, what, what's actually available to us by understanding and learning each other and, and telling the truth about what's happened and how it's affecting us. There's so much beauty, there's glory there. It's, it's glorious. And once we start seeing ourselves as, as an extension of each other and as, a, and as an extension of like my one of my mentors, Teokas and Ghost Tours, he says we are an extension of the water. Where when we were at Standing Rock, he's like we didn't come here to protect the water. We came here as Mother Nature in defense of herself. So that's a whole different consciousness. Hard for me to say all of it at once, no, but you said you said it very eloquently. <laughs> um, but they have described an emotion, and it no longer has power over them. So, like, for people to leave knowing they have described something within them, and that could be something really magical and beautiful and unidentifiable. Like, it doesn't have to be, you know, um, literal. Even if someone writes a song that's only about the color silver, for example, 
something in them is getting expressed and freed up. And it's like you free up that space. Like when the disc gets full, write a song, you're going to have a lot more space. It's been, it's been so great to hear you speak and really just how passionate and how much conviction you have for how important it is to take action and see, see everyone else as, as part of ourselves. You know, I think the world needs more of that. That's for sure. Thank you. You guys are doing such important work there and I'm really excited to uh, and honored to be able to come up there. Will it be your first time in British Columbia? Um, No, I've been there, but in the city to do a show. um, It's a private event, some kind of swank place. It's just going to be a whole different (laughs) experience. (laughs) Because you guys, yeah. It'll totally (laughs) be a whole different experience. Oh, man, the trees and the ocean and the phosphorescence will greet you with such a with such an open embrace, and I'm sure that they will love and drink your music when they get to hear it. Stories, awakening, possibility, social impact. Creating a culture of compassion, connection, and collaboration. You are listening to Hollyhock Talks, a podcast about the teachers and luminaries that make Hollyhock extraordinary. Hollyhock is Canada's leading leadership learning center, located on Cortez Island. Hollyhock Talks brings a little piece of Hollyhock magic to you, wherever you are listening.